0: He says, "Remember, because we forget." Right? He says, "Do this in remembrance of me, because we forget." And I shared last week talking about uh, the filter, and this is uh, every every time we have a chance to to get into the Word, to hear it read. To read it for ourselves is an opportunity for us to refresh the filter, to lay more layers of that fiber down, to filter out the things that are, um, that could be damaging, that could be harmful, things that could be distracting to us, distracting us from the real, our real purpose in knowing Our purpose being knowing and glorifying God. So we refresh the filter this morning. And what I want to preach today is really... um, what, What I have preached is simple, the gospel is simple, but it's difficult. You know that, right? You see that because we see the gospel shared with people and yet, plain as it might be and obvious as it might be, they still reject it. So it is simple, but it's also difficult. And so we need something right? You said that. We need something to interject interpose to step into that spot and do a work that we can't do because it's just too difficult for us to make that leap into accepting what God has done. And So today, I am, in a way, and I've titled it, Introducing the Holy Spirit. Not that you don't already know Him, or many of you have not already experienced the Holy Spirit and His work in, in saving you, in calling you out of darkness and into His light. But more in a way of, and introducing, I draw a light to, shine the light on the Holy Spirit. Like an MC who steps out on the stage and has no talent whatsoever. No skills other than just to really well introduce someone who does have the talent. And the skills. So when I say introducing the Holy Spirit, that's how I speak. As one who just steps up to say, and now I want you to see the one who will really do the work. The one who will really change the situations. Who will really take over, command the stage and do what no one else can do like no one else could do it. And so that's when I say introducing the Holy Spirit, that's the way I want you to see this word being presented. He gets the center stage, not me. Not my words and all those things, but Him. So let's pray. Father, I thank You for... I thank You for all You've done over days, Lord, even years, but just very much today. Things that I can't even say out loud that I've seen You do today. And so I am deeply grateful and greatly humbled just to be in this place. May you say today what you once said. May you speak to hearts the message that I know that you want to impress on all of us for Your glory, for Your glory, for Your praise. Because it is Your Word and Your purposes. And may it be, this has been my prayer already so many times today, put Your words in my mouth to speak. But Lord, please help me to not put words in Your mouth. May it be your word that speaks and comes clear in everything said, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now I hope to briefly, kind of, kind of throw a rope around the past few sermons that I've preached, and it is somewhat of it is somewhat of a series that's telling an age old story that we will see again and again and again, because we forget. We forget the purpose, we forget why we're here, but we forget. So I'm going to do a really, hopefully a brief 30,000 foot flyover of the last three sermons, and then land it in in the message of today. And I don't mean land it as in stick a perfect landing, but no, just like put the plane on the ground so people can get out and go home. Um, In the beginning, in the beginning, God made everything. As it was being made, He called it good. When He was finished, He called it very good, and He rested. A short time after, don't want to try to you know, put a label on how many years or days or moments, even. But a short time after, there was a rebellion. Now I've got a friend. I call, it, I call people friend, acquaintance, guy that I've known and worked with a few times, and and he would say say it like this: when when they did something as a family that was maybe not the brightest thing or best thing to do, he would just say he would, I would. How's it going? Well, this happened this weekend, and it's like, oh, really? That's interesting. What you did there, I didn't think that you, I didn't think that you would kind of go that route with something. And then it'd be something serious, like we bought a cat. I don't know, whatever. And if you're a cat person, no insults, but we bought a cat, and you could tell that there was frustration. And he would just say, "This decisions were made," and that's become a that's become a thing in our family, right? When we do something, and it's like. Okay, we did that, and that wasn't really probably the greatest idea. And then, but it, so we just don't say a whole lot about it. We just like decisions were made, and that's from the fall. So, um, but decisions were made, and choice gave way to bondage. The toil of labor replaced the joy of work. Complementary relationship was forfeited for tug-of-war and who will rule over whom. And you, you you, hear the things that were broken in this rebellion and the relationships that were torn apart from a relationship with God, a relationship with the work of our hands and how we interact with the world and God's creation and how we interact with one another. From husband and wife through all relationships, all that stuff was torn apart and it became just a battle. A deliverer was foretold and the watching and waiting began. Time passes in biblical history, in the history of the world. Not just biblical history, just real history. Time passes. God appears to and speaks with only a few. Only a few. God didn't come down and speak with every single person. He didn't show up everywhere and all over the place. He just spoke to a few, uh, a few examples of people that God actually spoke to. Uh, He spoke to Cain. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to Abraham. So just, just a few and and i I tried to kind of read read and research a little bit so I could figure out and i and I realized it's like, ah, oh, okay, I'm just kind of getting too nitty gritty. I've heard a few people say it was like only thirteen people that got actually audibly spoke to, but still uh of the oh billions, <laughs> that's not a whole lot of people, so he was just very specific and finite in who he talked to. God manifests Himself over that period of time in only a few places. There's only a few places that you actually see Him show up, and wherever He is, there He is, and, and that's the interaction. Uh, the burning bush is an example. The, the pillar of cloud and fire. Um, the tabernacle in the wilderness, where God manifests Himself. And in the temple, He manifests Himself. Um, the, the Spirit of God fills a select few for specific tasks. Uh, Bezalel, uh, the name may be familiar, maybe not, or uh, Bezaliel or Bezalel. He was the architect that was going to build the tabernacle. And God filled him with His Spirit. To have the wisdom and all the things to make the tabernacle show forward, you know, forward in time and backwards for us, Christ and redemption and that story. History from creation through fall to redemption in Christ. That tabernacle was built like that. And God put His Spirit, filled Him with His Spirit, to do that work and stay on that task to make that picture of the tabernacle. Uh, another, Samson, which as a judge, we look at Samson and go, wow, strength mingled with stupidity, uh, brazenness, rebellion. And there's so many things that, that you could look at in Samson, but God filled him with his spirit to do some uh, amazing feats of strength as a judge in Israel against the enemies of God. Not Not necessarily a stellar person, but God filled him with His Spirit to accomplish a work. King Saul, another one that we would look at and say, wow, King Saul. You know, hiding in the junk of the you know, hiding in the baggage when he was supposed to be stepping up into place. You know, he was a man who was, his job was finding mules. You know, that was his job. And he did do a very good job at that. God fills him with his spirit to prophesy. And there was a place, you read your Bible history, you'll see him do those things. So, so God fills people with His Spirit to accomplish things even in the Old Testament. But it's it's just it's here and there. It's not all over the place. It's just certain places and certain times. God shows up in certain places and speaks in certain places and certain times. He, he manifests Himself in certain places and at certain times. Then comes the birth of Jesus, the Christ. Emmanuel. We know what that means, right? What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. God with us. He came and He was here amongst us. God with us. He lives with and disciples a select few. Like He called them out. He called out the twelve on purpose. And He lived with them. And he discipled them, just those men who would be around him. He taught multitudes and crowds, but it was, they went out to see him because he was in a specific place. He was there walking in certain areas, real. Geographical locations on hills, and he walked through those places. He walked all these places except riding on a donkey one time, but it was in a certain town, and only the people who could see him would see him and hear him. He completes his earthly work in one location, in one location, on a real cross, on a real hill, And he was buried in a real empty tomb in one location. And he rose from that. God raised him up from that one location. He was seen by many who saw him at different times after the resurrection, confirming that resurrection. And it's a lot of what I was saying in, you know, just kind of pulling out of 1st Corinthians when, when Paul was talking about no resurrection, no hope. But he was seen in those places and he, he ascended from a location that men watched him go up. And as the end of this kind of brief overview of salvation, what was done in the rebellion is undone on the cross and through the resurrection. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. The work was done. Salvation was brought to mankind. And this is where God appearing changes. This is where it gets different. And this is where it really matters to us where we are today in this world and as the church, not just churches but as the church, the body of Christ. This is where it changes, and this is where essentially the sermon begins. so John chapter fifteen verse 26 is where we'll start I want to read fifteen twenty six through through sixteen fifteen so There'll be a little bit of reading. And I'm reading for the ESV just for for clarity. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. And they will do these things, because they have not known the Father, nor me." But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. If I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that we see of God prior to this time is He is in Certain places manifest in certain ways and only to individuals. All that we see of the Spirit of God is just these moments where He fills people to do certain tasks and to perform certain things in, again, redemptive history. When Jesus comes, all we see of Him is that He's in certain places with certain people at certain times and if you wanted to get to God prior to what we're talking about today you had to go someplace else. They went to Jerusalem to the temple. They will worship, we will worship here because this is where you worship. The ark of the covenant and what is known the the bema seat the two the two Cherubim sitting on top of the ark, and in between was the mercy seat. We we talk about those things, about this is where the presence of God is in the temple. It was someplace else. And Jesus hinted at that when He was there with the woman at the well. Because she's saying, oh, well, as Samaritans, we have our own deal. But you say, you Jews say, the only way is to go over here. And Jesus said, the time is coming where those who worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth. It won't be at a building. It won't be in a structure made of men's hands with stone and steel or whatever, or wood, or carpeting, or lights or speakers or whatever but they will worship me in spirit and in truth. So Jesus was foretelling something that was coming that was going to make worship and interaction with God very different than it ever had been. The Holy Spirit will be in every believer. So it goes from being God with us, toward us, or us going to worship someplace to God in us. God in us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, and something that really brings this out, and Paul really brings this out. Now, he's talking with them about... Staying away from sexual immorality, which they had a problem with. The the culture around them had a terrible problem with sexual immorality. Working awful things in their bodies that were so contrary to God's plan, design, and purpose. And out of that context, he says this, chapter chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And that is so, that statement, that concept of God in you, the Holy Spirit in you, is like a foreign concept. But when they see that it's it's like you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, He lives in you. If you have received Christ, the Spirit of God lives inside you. And when we think about, when I think about Resident in us, that's sobering. And it should be. But it should be sobering to us to know that the Spirit of God lives in us. And when Paul is talking to the Corinthians there, he's saying, Look, don't do these things with this body, because This body is the temple. He lives in there. He was given to you by God. He is at residence in here. The magnitude of no longer God with us, but in us, should be and is pretty profound. Profound. and it should be and it is really convicting that he is he is in here while i walk and work and do stuff in life so i want to do the best i can to address some really big misunderstandings About what it means to have the Holy Spirit, because we all know that there are a ton of misunderstandings about who the Holy Spirit is and His purpose and His work in this world. And there's just so many different wonky things in it. It's like I don't want to just, you know, I mean, I could spend I could spend the day playing videos. Wow, we could watch some funky stuff, and it would it would be uh, it's somewhat funny and it at funny and at the same time just sickening and infuriating but I don't want to really I really don't want to do that because better to point out the real than focus on the fake um but to address the misunderstandings the work of the spirit let's go back to John chapter 15 again where we back where we started we'll we'll hang out in those verses for just a little bit actually quite a bit John fifteen twenty six. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the first things we hear about Jesus promising the Spirit is, is his works. He will be the Helper. Jesus called him the Helper. And He called Him the Helper because we need help. the, the, The first and worst part of pride that shows up in the rebellion says, I don't need help. I got this myself. I've got this figured out. I'll figure it out. I'll get it done. I don't need help. But the first thing Jesus said is, I'm sending not the Influencer. I'm sending the Helper. Because you need help. You need help. I need help. I do. I need to remember. Like, I need to see this again and again. Because I forget what it means. I forget what the cross was about. I forget what the resurrection was for. I forget those things. And I don't forget because I don't care. I forget because there's just so much that happens in life that's warring at us, trying to distract us from what God is calling us to do to glorify Him and live for Him. But we get to running in the circles where we forget because it's just so busy and there's so much vying for our attention. But the first thing he sends, he said, I send the helper because we need help. And what is this helper going to do? It says that Well, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, and He will bear witness about me. So the Spirit of God is helper, resident helper, and a resident witness about Jesus. John 16, so if we go 16, 8 to 11 skip up a little bit. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see Me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world Is judged. So he's the helper. He bears witness about Jesus and he convicts the world concerning sin. He convicts us of sin. The Spirit of God convicts us of sin. Those things that are in rebellion to the plan and purpose and will of God that we might repent. Convicts us of righteousness, and Jesus said that that concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, because I won't be here on earth showing you, speaking to you, righteousness. But I go away, but He's going to be here doing what I did in you. Righteousness, showing us righteousness. That is the work, part of the work of sanctification, being set aside. To see the righteousness of God, realize that we fall short of that righteousness, and in Christ we have been given that righteousness, and that draws us toward Him. It, it pulls us toward Him, instead of pushing us away. And He draws us to Himself, because we need that help. We need that conviction. Look, I need to be reminded I need to be reminded of things. I just do. And they're just kind of common things, right? Like I lose, I lose tools all over the house, and I was the one that put them there, and no one else moved them. I need someone to kind of help me keep on track. And that's just the practical stuff. Because I get off track in relationship to God and to other people. Because I get so focused on the things that are just in front of my face that I can't back up enough to say, okay, you know God, there's a big picture here and you've got this. And I don't need to stress out about that. I need to back up and trust you a little bit and I get reminders. I need the reminders that I am not righteous and I need righteousness other than my own. He convicts the world concerning judgment, judgment on the ruler of this world and all who align themselves with him as an assurance for us that our enemy is judged and he is defeated. And so are all who would align themselves with him, and that's both a joy and a warning. Because the last thing I want to do is align myself with the enemy of God in what I would say or do toward others or what I'd say or do to myself. And we are convicted of that by the Holy Spirit. And we are reminded of that by the Holy Spirit. Do not cooperate with Him. He is judged and he is defeated, and he's a liar. And he is a liar, and the father of liars, and he will tell us all manner of things about God that are not true. He started in the garden that way, and he hasn't stopped. And what we see today when it comes to who the Holy Spirit is, He's still doing the same things and deceiving and misleading people about who the Holy Spirit is and in seeing some of those terrible examples of what the Holy Spirit is and who, not what, but who the Holy Spirit is, getting us as children of God to run as far away from any of that stuff as we possibly can because we don't want anything to do with that foolishness. But at the same time, risking that we miss all of the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit being with us, in us. Because we're so afraid of the lies that we'll run away from the truth. And miss everything that he is doing and wanting to do. And I'm not saying that God wants to do all these signs and wonders and miraculous things and we want to see all this stuff and so they're messing it up and we just want to get it back again. No. I'm saying we're missing his purpose because we just try, we hear Holy Spirit and we get nervous. Like, did you, did you get maybe just a, just a teeny bit nervous? Well, I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Okay, I hope I trust you enough, Kevin, <laughs> that you're not, you came from Wackoville or something, and we're going to just go somewhere, you know, off the cliff someplace. Because that's what happens, right? We hear the Holy Spirit now, and then we think of all these funky manifestations and all this crazy stuff that's going on, and we decide, just get me away from that Holy Spirit thing. And if we do that we've let the enemy win our power and our helper from us because we've let the counterfeit overshadow the real John 16:12 through 15 I still I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you get the weight of that? Jesus is saying that when the spirit comes, he will declare to you what is mine. And he's saying that's no small thing because he's saying all that the Father has, is mine. And the Spirit will declare that to you. You want to talk about a wealth of information, there's just not enough books in this world to account for how much (laughs) that the Father has that He gave to the Son and the Spirit will speak to us. And and I'm going to tell you right now, going back again to, let's go back to, and what is our filter for that? Right? What is our filter for all that God has and all that He will say? Right here. His word that He gave to us. That's why it's so important to see Jesus as the Word made flesh. Because the Word came to us in the form of Christ. And God's Spirit opens up the Word to us about God that we might know Him fully and see Him completely and express Him well into the world that men may know Christ. And by His grace and the power of the Spirit, either repent or reject. That's an amazing amount. That is an amazing amount that's available to us. That's available to us because. Of God sending His Holy Spirit to us, He guides us into all truth, and He glorifies Jesus. I want to real quick to Romans chapter eight, Romans eight thirteen, and I know we'll. It's so awesome to know we're, we're like we're in Romans. And that uh, Randy's going to be preaching a lot of those things because it's just there's so uh, there's just so much here, and it's just it's all beautiful. But there's just some really cool stuff in Romans that get kind of excited about hearing more of what God opens up in in days to come. But Romans eight thirteen to seventeen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. The Spirit puts to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. He puts to death those things. The Spirit bears witness that we are children of God. Now I want to read on another piece here. Uh, I think just... Yeah, 26 and 27. I think I've got that up there. Hopefully I do. Yeah. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit bears witness with us that we are a child of God. He assures us of that relationship. And there's something I just, you know, you catch things as you're reading past them and they jump out. But where he was talking about, got to find it. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Fear was one of the monstrous things that came out of the fall. And I think you all know it, that fear still messes with us, doesn't it? It still does. Like, it's kind of available to us. I I don't know, if you watch too much news, it's very available. (laughs) Fear is very available. As a matter of fact, fear is an amazing marketing tool. Man, you could scare anybody into buying any number of anythings because they're scared. But what if I don't, right? Like, what? what is one of the things? It's like, I don't know, if you know, I, I try to keep up with some things, but then I don't care anymore. <laughs> but FOMO, right? But, you know, familiar with FOMO, one of these days that won't be a thing anymore, but, well, it'll still be a thing, but they just won't call it that. Fear of missing out. The fear of, of not being in the know, the fear of being odd, the fear of being weird, the fear of not having enough the fear of you know being sick fear the fear of death the fear of life the fear of people cars trucks you know mold I don't know fear of just fear i'm just scared of everything but he hasn't given us a spirit of fear he didn't give us that spirit of fear and so the spirit is here You did not receive the spirit of slavery. We received the spirit of God. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There is no place for fear. And He does not want us to fall back into its spell again, back into its trap again. But what if I don't? But in Christ, we have the yes and the amen. We don't lack anything that we need for life and godliness because He's given it to us. And that is the assurance that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And He intercedes for us. I just can't imagine having anybody intercede for me like the Holy Spirit can. Because I know that Carrie and I will pray for one another, and she will intercede for me, and she knows me really well. It's scary. (laughs) It's scary how well she knows me. Um, It's scary to be known that well by someone else. You know, it just is but to be known by God. To to be known at depth by God. His Spirit knowing every single thing about what influences and what causes and where things come, come from. And He knows the why. Like when you stand there over something you did that was just completely stupid... And you're going, why did I do that? He knows why you did that. And the one who knows why you did that and where the things came from, who knows that depth, is interceding for you and me. I mean, that is just enough to blow my mind. To know that He is interceding. Why? Would I forsake that relationship and that power that knows me at such depth and intercedes for me? There are ways to, I say, comparing the missed it moments of Jesus as Messiah and the holy spirit as the helper as he as he really is there 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 are characteristic similar missed it moments in history right both jesus christ and the holy spirit both were promised and anticipated the word is Full of stories of the Christ who is to come, the prophecies that, and, and the prophecies fulfilled. Both were promised and anticipated. Both came displaying signs and wonders to show power and authority from God. Both came displaying powers. Signs and wonders to show power and authority from God. Both Christ and the Holy Spirit have had their purpose mistaken by men and maligned by men. When Jesus came, Jesus was thought to be the king the children of Israel, thought Him to be the king who was going to give Israel dominion over the world. They thought Him to be a king who was going to raise them up as a nation and conquer the whole world. We know that He did conquer the world. He overcame the world. He said it. But it wasn't like they thought Even though it was foretold that it would be that way, they wanted to see Him a different way. Yes, they felt oppressed. Yes, they felt that things were not in their interest. Yes, they were under the boot of a tyrannical kingdom. And they wanted out from underneath it. And when Jesus came showing signs and wonders, they just flocked to Him. When all the palm branches were laid down as he was making this triumphal entry in, they weren't saying, you know, Jesus who's coming to save us from our sins. Jesus who's coming to spank the living daylights out of Rome. That's what they were thinking. The king who's going to bring us to the top again and we're going to be the these glorious people who have all this. They missed it. That was a historical missed it moment. and people follow Jesus for healed bodies and full bellies right like they came out and he he just kind of more or less said you're basically you're following me because I'm giving you food you know i mean here here he is with the bread of life and they're digging for loaves and fishes man this guy can bring he can bring food out of anything out of thin air If we hang out with him, we're never going to lack. The woman at the well. You know, I will give you water and you will never thirst. Can you, like, can we pipe this down into town? I mean, that's not what she said, but she's just a picture of, oh, water? I won't have to come up to this well and draw anymore? Good. That'll end to some of the shame and some of the other stuff. I mean, I'm not trying to say that's what she's thinking, but that's what it sounds like well, give me a drink then. I don't ever want to be thirsty again. I don't want to come up here to this well and get water anymore. And he's like, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. So if they did that with Jesus, have we not also, and can we not also do that with the Holy Spirit? Because He was promised and anticipated for who He is and who what He was going to do. And His purpose... In this earth. But people believe that the Spirit of God is here to give them power to manipulate their circumstances. I want to be able to change my circumstances. I want to be able to change my future. I want to be able to change my perspective. I want to be able to change and just conquer and win and kill it and be just styling and profiling with all the finest duds and the best of things and money flowing out of everything. And people want the Spirit for healthy bodies and overflowing bank accounts. Wrap this up, I pray. Wrap this up. Everything is to glorify God. Everything is to glorify God. The purpose of creation, to glorify God. Our purpose, to glorify God. Jesus came to save us from sin, to glorify God. He came to take the punishment for our sins, to glorify God. He came to restore what was broken, to glorify God. The Spirit of God was sent to men to live in us, to glorify God, to point to Him, to show us His love, His mercy, His grace, His design, His plan, His purposes, and glorify God. Creation declared and still, even in the fallen state, still declares the glory of God. It's all about Him. Everything that is good and right and true points to Him. The spiritual and the physical. Everything that is good and true and right points to Him. If we are doing the work of the Holy Spirit, it is not, and I say that as a, as a, as a preacher standing behind a box on a stage in front of people, where the greatest temptation to be the star or important or something is here, but, but everything is to glorify God and point to Him. I am to glorify God and point to Him. I am not to point to this building. I am not to point to me. I am not to point to you or anyone else in this room. But I'm here and the Spirit bears witness and works in us to point people to God. And the only way to get to God is through Christ. So we are pointing people toward God. That's why we're here To glorify Him. We get so lost in so many things. We, the sign that rebellion is still at play in us. Not that it's won the day, child of God, not that it's won the day or it can because we are sealed. By the promise of God, we have the Holy Spirit who's going to keep at us till the day we leave this earth. But the idea, the, the the things, the signs that rebellion is still at at play in us, is that we try to make it about us. We try to make it about us. We try to make it about our stuff, our place, our sound, our sights, our our something about us. Rebellion is at play because we still want to make it about us. The temptation is to make it about us and not him. The sign that rebellion is still at play in us is we want what we want. We want what we want. I want what I want. I don't want it to be different than what I like. I have a preferences. And I want my preferences met. And if you don't meet them, I will find a way to get them met somehow, some way or another. Because it's still about me. It is. It's still about me. What I like, what I want, what I. What, don't even go there. Trying to avoid. Songs and stuff, or movies. When the Bible speaks of itching ears, gathering teachers because of their itching ears, I'm going to promise you right now that it is not always about false doctrine. We will gather people to us. It's evident in what we call the church that we'll gather people to us and we'll go to places where we hear what we want to hear the way we want to hear it. And if it's not done that way, well, I'm going to go find it where it, where it's where I like it and what makes me feel good about what my style or what my likes are. And I say this, if the word of God is being proclaimed, And the truths of God are being brought to bear in lives. That's what you need. And the worship of the one true God isn't surrounded by music because music is what is doing it. The music flows out of knowing who God is by His Word. The songs flow out of That. And I don't, I'm not saying, you know, don't sing a new song because there's, you could write a billion songs and never cover the fullness of who God is. And they could be written across multiple different styles of music. It's what is being said and expounding the Word of God that counts Tell me what I want to hear. Play the kind of music I like. Don't don't you listen to that through the week? <laughs> like don't you have like six whole days and then the rest of the besides the, you know, couple 2 3 hours here in a in a space where we do this corporately? Like don't you have the rest of the week to kind of do that thing where you listen to the style kind or whatever? That's just a question. Play my kind of music or the worst? Don't make me uncomfortable. I don't want to be made uncomfortable. I want to walk out of this place with a smile on my face because God wants me to be happy. You get who I'm kind of sort of, I don't know if I got the, I, I don't know if the face matches because I have this kind of German thing going on where it's just like, I think I'm smiling, but it's flat. You know, it feels like a smile, but it probably looks more like a grimace. I don't know. But you know what I'm referencing to. Just God just want to make you happy. I don't want to say anything that's going to hurt anyone or offend anyone. Because God wants to make you happy. He wants to give you blessings untold. He wants to cover you with God. Yuck. Yuck. He doesn't want us happy. He wants us holy. Why? Because He wants us not to be this distinguished thing. No, He wants us to be like Him. Because being like Him glorifies Him. That is that imitation is that pure form of flattery. Well, if we're imitating God by what we see from His Word and hear expressed in His Spirit backs it up, then... That's what He wants. It is a glory to Him. It is flattery to the God who deserves all of it. Not because He needs it. Not because He has to have it. But because He is. Like He is it. He is the thing. Don't make me uncomfortable. We know that rebellion is at play in us because we want His stuff, but not Him. We want to be in control to curate our circumstances and those of others. We want His things without Him. Can you give me all the cool stuff without having to do this God thing? Can I have fun and enjoy life and do this stuff without all this God talk and all this God stuff? Can I just kind of just kind of can we just have the fun and things and do stuff that's like I mean, I don't mind if you mention God, but like just keep him out of my spaces kind of thing. Keep him out of my business. What I do is what I do. I want I just want to be left alone. Now realizing that left alone is horrible. Left alone is the worst form of punishment that God gives you talk about hell, fire, and damnation. We think, oh, fire and damnation. But when you hear cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and you don't hear fire and flames and pitchforks and coal and burning, you hear alone. Really, really alone apart from God. One is stuff, but not Him We want to be in control to curate our circumstances and those of others. We see it in the world and we're shocked or outraged or both when we see people trying to manipulate and control all their circumstances and everybody else's too, and it just makes us insane. I mean, it doesn't take too long nowadays to wander into the social media world of whatever stripe it comes in. I don't care if it's a conservative platform or a liberal rag or whatever. It doesn't take too long to go, what is wrong with people? Like, I can't believe how they're just trying to control everything and everybody. This is insane. And we see it in the world and we're just like, oh, this this is ridiculous. This is shocking. This is just terrible. But what do we do when we see it in us? What do we do when we see it in us? Trying to control, manipulate the narrative. And guess what? We will see it because the Spirit will convict us because it is not in the nature of God to be that way. It is not in His nature. So why wouldn't He convict us of it? When we see it in ourselves... Comes back to a little tag off of last week. Will we justify ourselves? Will we make excuses for why it's there and how it got there and all that kind of stuff and say, well, really, you know, there's a reason for it and it's still good? And will we justify ourselves or will we just repent? When we see the things that are at work in the world, at work in us, will we repent? May it be repent. May it be that we receive Him for who He is and not who we want Him to be. May we take Him at His word and not put words in His mouth. May we take Him at His word and not put words in His mouth. That is the greatest challenge that preaching and teaching has in it. Will I take him at his word and deliver it as such? Or will I try to put words in his mouth to fit, I don't know, something? And God is all the time, I won't let you. I will not let you. And if I let you, it will be the downfall of many. And I'm thankful for that. Um, I'm thankful for that, but I know, finally, that the call for all of us in this is the same thing that we started with: refresh the filter, refresh the filter, and see your reading of Scripture and your studying of the Word of God as just that. Not just a, a duty or a, a thing, a pattern that I'm trying to just kind of get in this routine and this pattern because patterns work well for me uh, and I'm not saying that having patterns is not I, I'm not saying that having patterns is a bad thing. no actually the you know patterns are good. but it's not just a thing that we do, but we see our reading of God's word as refreshing the filter. I tried to my mind tries to illustrate everything um sometimes it works and sometimes it's terrible i've been doing a lot of stuff with h v a c lately it's just a place I find myself um and we put filters on everything to keep junk from getting up in the system and gunking everything up, tearing up equipment, and making it not do what it's supposed to do, like breaking stuff basically you put a filter on there to keep from breaking things. Damaging things, blowing stuff up, costing a lot of money and very uncomfortable. And we refresh those filters all the time. We just keep shoving those filters in and pulling out the old. If it's been eroded, and just put that filter in. You know what? It's the same fiber. I mean, it's the same material over and over and over again. Again. It's not some new magical something or other that I came up with. No, it's just, it's just been tried and true for HVAC stuff. It's been tried and true and and it just, it works. It works and it continues to work and it always has worked. This word always has worked and it continues to work because it isn't just empowered by our reading or our knowledge or understanding. It is it is empowered and it is lit up by the Spirit of God who makes the words more than words. Makes them living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is a surgeon's instrument, not a hack because it can divide and separate joints, marrow. Right? You hear that. This is a filter that we can go to and be renewed again and again and again. And everything that hits the filter and is blocked from getting in to our system keeps our system from being damaged or destroyed. And when we think about reading the Word of God, with those things in mind. When we think about taking in the Word of God with that in mind, that is power. That is power to have a life transformed and changed. And the verses that read just that, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. by having a right understanding of who the holy spirit is and running to that power that help that strength we will be pushing aside the counterfeit and laying a hold the full power of god that is in us to do the works outside of us just like jesus did because now By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in the world. And it's going to be through us. It's going to be through you and me. Being out there, hands and feet, and being filled with the power, which is the Holy Spirit, to speak forth the truth, to speak forth the gospel, that many souls may come to Him to his glory to his glory let's let's pray father i thank you for i thank you for your word and your work to know your power to know that I don't want to do anything but avail myself of it just every day, and I know I need to. I know I need to. And I know just as much as I'm preaching this from this pulpit. You are reiterating and preaching this to me. And I thank You for that mercy. And I pray that it is the same today for all of us. I pray that it is the same today that we don't leave this moment without a reconciliation to your ways and your purpose and your truth and your life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.